to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, special guest Nick is on the podcast to talk to us about his kids' experience on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us anytime, disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Joe from As the Joe Flies and Leslie from Trips with Tykes is not here with me today, but I have a special guest, old friend of mine from uh, the old Observation Deck podcast that I used to record, uh, came on a couple times to be a guest, Nick from Seattle. Nick, you are here today to talk to us about your experience on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. But before we get to that, you know, let's just talk a little bit about your Disney experience in the past. Hi, thanks for having me on, uh, Joe. I really appreciate it. Love the podcast and I've learned a great deal from you and Leslie about how to handle uh, Disney and Disney World. Being from Seattle, it's not as easy for us to get to Disney World. So when we do go, we try to just go all out and do as much as we can. And uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser was part of our trip this time. And uh, it was it was great. This was, this was about two months ago, and we had a great time. So love to talk about it. And do you guys go down to Disneyland like every once in a while, or was Disney World kind of it for you? Yeah, I grew up in LA, so I went to Disneyland all the time. And grew up going there maybe about once a month on average uh, until I moved away. And now that I have two kids, we do go on average about maybe once a year or so. But Disney World is just a whole nother ball game. A lot more parks, really far. So um, when we do, we try to uh, as much as we can. And, and your podcast definitely helped us out with that. Back in episode 214, right around when the Galactic Star Cruiser started sailing, Brooke McDonald was on, and she was on a media trip, and she gave us the 101 about Galactic Star Cruiser. So we really suggest that you go back and take a listen to that after you're done listening to this. That's episode 214. It's from March 2022. But we have Nick on here today because I really wanted to talk to Nick specifically about his kids' experiences on the Galactic Star Cruiser. Now, Brooke brought her kids as well, but since we were just getting to know what the Star Cruiser was at the time, we didn't get to focus in as much on that. But like the question I really want to zero in on and answer today is, or the questions are like, what do you need to know if you're thinking about bringing your kids on the Galactic Star Cruiser and what kind of experience do the kids have? So this episode is going to be mostly focused around Nick's kids' experiences, but of course, you know, it is the Star Cruiser, and Nick was there as well, uh, along with his wife, so we'll hear about the adult experiences also. Now, before we get started, uh, why don't you tell us the makeup of your family, and I guess importantly for this Star Cruiser portion of your trip, and he was in the parks for four or five days before that as well, but uh, for the Star Wars portion, what is your Star Wars background? Like, are your kids into it, or are they kind of going in blind? Like, are you more into it? Where were you all coming from? Um, so we are a family of four, so me and my wife, and I have a son who is 10 and a daughter who is 7. My wife and I are really into Star Wars, grew up watching that as kids and have watched all the movies and 
and most of the series around them. So we did get our kids into it, but they haven't seen all the movies. They've seen episodes four through nine and a lot of the shows like Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Uh, so the, I would say they are definitely st uh, fans of Star Wars. They know all the characters, but I wouldn't classify us as Star Wars nerds, but we are definitely big fans. And when the Star Wars Galaxy Star Cruiser was announced about a year ago, this was something I was very interested in doing. Definitely had to save up money uh, to make this happen, and I'm glad we did. And uh, thank you, Joe, for being our agent to put that together for us and booking that. And we had a great time. And I think if you are a Star Wars fan, this is an experience you you should do if you if you can make it happen but you do not necessarily need to be a star wars nerd per se you don't need to know all the background you don't need to even see all the movies the most the movies most important are i would say was episode uh, seven eight and nine because some of those characters you will see and you will interact with but um, even just a star wars fan will have a great time on this yeah, so the background, again, for the Galactic Star Cruiser, if you don't know, is that you are on a two-night cruise on Shandrilla Starlines, which uh, the planet or system of Shandrilla has actually shown up on Andor, um, which actually has me thinking, I don't know, they got to work on their canon here because there's a, <laughs> there's a drink that they don't have at the Sublight Lounge uh, or something they put in the drink in Andor that uh, Shandrillans seem to like, but... It's Chandrilla Starlines. You're on a cruise, but then on your cruise, like ostensibly you're going for a vacation, but then stuff happens and this whole story breaks out. And it is set in the time of the sequel trilogy. So that's episode seven through nine. So, like Nick said, we will not get into spoilers until later. And even then, they'll be mild. But like Nick said, there are characters that you'll recognize from the sequel trilogy in that. All right. So, great to know your background. If you are, if you were just to explain the Star Cruiser to families considering it, would you add anything to what I just said about my description of the Star Cruiser? Yes, I, I had a lot of friends ask what we were doing for our summer break, and when I tried to tell them about this, I had to explain this quite often. So I shrunk it down to telling them this is this is technically a hotel, but it's basically a cruise on land that simulates you being in space. And it's an, an immersive experience where you can choose your own adventure. It's all-inclusive. And you get to live out your Star Wars dream by creating your own character, interacting with others. And you get to live out your Star Wars fantasy. And a lot of my friends were, were very intrigued by that because this has never been done before and very unique. And from there, they just kept asking questions, wanting to know more. And so I think I would put it that way, that it's a all-immersive role-playing experience set in Star Wars. Do you or do you not use the term LARPing with your friends when you describe it? Do they even know <laughs> uh, I, I do not. I, I think my, my friends would, first of all, may not know what that means. And I do not consider myself a LARPer, per se. This is the first time I was doing some role-playing or doing this kind of experience. But I, unfortunately, do not use that, that term. I think my, my friends would laugh at me. It would be an immediate unsubscribe uh, to the conversation. But yeah, for <laughs> those of you who don't know, uh, LARPing stands for live action role playing. And people do that like all the time, not just. But I, I think the cool thing about the Star Cruiser is this is a chance for people to essentially LARP for two nights, but totally contained. It's at Disney and everyone there is doing the same thing. So or most of the people, at least. Right. Yeah. This is the, your chance to dress up and not feel out of place. And, and actually, if you're not dressed up, you might look a little bit odd. 
because everyone has, I mean, not, some people go all out, full gear, every, every, all the body paint, everything, and they look really cool. Actually, people go up to them and want to take pictures with them, um, but you don't have to go all out. People sometimes just dress in, you know, shorts and t-shirt and just like you're going into one of the Disney parks and it's fine. So you'll see every everything from that. But if you do dress up, I think it'll enhance your experience. It, you'll feel more involved you'll feel more connected to the story that you're that you're going through and and your path the ones that dress up the most actually got the most attention from the cast members i would notice that characters would remember their name better uh, because they stand out and they know that they're more into it because they are involved and they have a background they have a name they're all dressed up and so they would have more missions or or get called out more I totally forgot to put this in the notes, but what did you and your family do? Did you bring costumes or at least bounding costumes, like something that could pass off as Star Wars-ish for both you and the kids? And I guess it could be different. Like, I could imagine families, you know, they just dress up their kids and then they just rock the shorts and t-shirts themselves. We should say, <laughs> uh, to be clear, Nick was there in August, so it was like super hot at the time. <laughs> those, Jedi, those Jedi robes uh, don't do too well in the... In the uh, I don't want to say Florida sun, but whatever plant, Batu sun. <laughs> yes, they, they call it um, bright suns because there's two, two suns on Batu, so it's definitely hot. But most of the time you're you're indoors in the Star Cruiser, so it's, it's very comfortable um, being dressed up. So when we arrived, everyone has to go through valet. Most people did not dress uh, when they arrived because it's you're, you're a little bit, you're in the shade, but you're a little bit outside and it's a little warm. So we just dressed in normal clothes. We came from uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge and then went to the valet. And then once we checked in and got to our room, that's when we changed. And I think I would say majority of people, is that, that's what I saw, is they changed once they got on board. And we brought two outfits each, one for each day. The third day, you basically have breakfast and leave. So most people are not dressed up that day. So day one and day two is when we dressed up. And it was a lot of fun. The kids were really into it. My kids went with the Jedi robes, and my daughter also had a Rey costume that she wore. My wife and I just kind of threw things together. You can find ideas online, but some people just go to a secondhand store and then just get, you know, a jacket that looks from the from the Star Wars land. I actually had the Han Solo belt that I wore. You can't bring a blaster, but that little holster actually came in great because it I could put my um, iPhone in there, which, which is your data pad, or you, I put like snacks and treats in there just to carry around so it worked out fine and then had special shoes and then a special shirt that i bought online and just wore that and it worked out well now i am going to get my brown suit and high collar ready but uh one tip i will have is you should not like even if you're wearing if you, even if your kid's wearing ray robes i think it's good to well i mean for the kids maybe it's different but like you do not want to go onto the Star Cruiser as Ray because Ray is an established character in the universe already. So you even no matter like even if you're dressed exactly like Han Solo, you want to give a, yourself a different name like San Holo or something like that. <laughs> uh, just so because Han Solo, you know, he's a dude that exists in that uh time and place in the Star Wars universe. Now, I'm really curious like when you boarded the Star Cruiser my understanding is like you kind of go up in an elevator and you go up into the ship. What was your kid's first reaction to just going onto a starship? Like what are that? I guess maybe this is one of those episodes where you should have the kids on, but uh, 
generally I try to avoid those, but you know, seeing it through their eyes, what, what did you see? Oh, they were, well, first of all, they were very excited to go. You can't get on until 1 PM and they're very strict about that. So we were in line for a little bit. So it kind of built the anticipation and then they bring you up in a little group. You have a little safety briefing um, by video, and then you get to go in the pod that takes you up to the star cruiser. And it's really cool. It's very very detailed. The inside looks just like something from outer space. And there's port windows that kind of simulate when you're going up into space. And there's lights and and effects and things like that. And then the the door opens and then you're in the atrium. The first time you see the atrium is, is just a little bit overwhelming. It's You're actually there after thinking about it for months and months. And there's a cast member that greets you there and they walk you to your room and they show you around your room and then it's my kids were just overwhelmed they were so excited they couldn't wait to start running around and exploring and I had to kind of slow them down because we had to get changed and then they were off and that was that's basically how it was for the entire time of the of how much excitement and anticipation that building and then and then just actually being there and and getting to explore they were uh, they still talk about it today and it's been over two months. You know, we're recording this the day after Halloween. And last night before we went out to go trick-or-treating, I was just like, the kids were just bouncing off the walls. They hadn't even eaten any candy yet. And they were just <laughs> super excited. And this is like how I imagine kids must be when they're like getting on the Galactic Star Cruiser. Oh, yeah. So just being, I mean, the kids on love steroids, to dress steroids, maybe. Up. Oh, yeah. Getting to dress up and they're, they don't. And don't forget, there's food and drink available all the time. And so they would just help themselves and then they would just run around and it was great. They Just seeing how excited they were and how much it left an impression on them. And I actually asked them last night at dinner, I, I asked them, you know, what were your highs and lows from the, the Star Cruiser? And they said, just being able to, to talk and meet with the characters. And then I said, well, what's your lows? And they said that it was only two nights. <laughs> so I have uh they just they would have stayed there for a month I think. They would they just loved it. That's when you need to uh teach them how money works, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, uh now there's one thing I'm curious about since you went in August. Like I heard that right when summer started, the cast members were saying, I think they told someone I know or I heard this anecdote somewhere. All the sailings had been like three kids, five kids four kids, six kids, and then boom, in the summer, like all of a sudden there were like <laughs> dozens of kids on the ship. So how many kids do you feel like you saw on the ship? Did it feel like a pretty, I guess, average number of kids for Disney World in general? Did it seem still seem like there were a little bit more adults? Like what did you notice in terms of how many kids were on the on the ship? They were definitely more adults compared to, to the parks. But as far as the kids go, I think my seven-year-old was probably the youngest. And then the age range, I would imagine, I estimate was, you know, seven to teenagers. And there were probably about 15 kids that I would um, estimate. But as far as elementary school kids, as which is what my kids are right now, there are probably about eight of them. Mind you, they all found each other. And then they eventually, they all ran around as a group. And it was really cute to see all the kids running around, laughing and being so excited and running from place to place, from room to room. That was a little bit surprising. I thought that I was going to be with my kids together, that we'd have to always be together to do this data pad and figure things out and do missions together. But what I found was my seven-year-old especially loves playing with other kids. And she just loved exploring 
with them. The first day I was trying to think, you know, maybe we should do all these missions. And I was trying to get her the best experience using the data pad. And then I decided, you know what? It's okay. She's This is what she wants to do. She wants to run around with other kids. She doesn't care about reading every single message on the data pad. And so I was fine with that. We eventually just left her data pad in the room. And she just ran around with her magic band and would tap different things and run around with other friends. And that's what she wanted to do. That was her best experience. And I, you know, after the first day, I was like, oh, you know what? This is, this is okay. This is, this is what she wants to do. She's having the best time of her life. And I was very happy about that. Yeah. And then for those of you who don't know, data pads are like, if you have your phone, uh, if you're an adult, you'll get missions and messages and stuff through your phone, uh, through the app. But obviously, most kids don't have smartphones. So Disney will lend them data pads for the trip, um, which sounds like she made the right decision leaving it in her room. Now, since we just did an episode on kids being independent at Disney, sounds like you had no problem letting your seven-year-old run around everywhere. I mean, I feel like the Galactic Star Cruiser, everything must be like super contained because you can't even leave without going in that elevator thing. So did you feel pretty cool the whole time with her just going around yeah it felt it felt safe the the star cruiser is not that big i mean most events happen on just two floors and so they can't really get lost and even to get into the pod to go outside i mean you're free to do that but you do need to have an adult with you when if you're a child so they were very safe they would not be able to get out on their own and for the most part she would actually find me to check in with me to tell her to she wanted to share with me what she was doing and some cool things she's found and then she would run off again and and so that's pretty much how it went as far as my seven-year-old and funny story is the second the first day uh, the first breakfast she was so excited to go to breakfast and see what they had so she actually went ahead and we were walking a little slow behind her and then we go into the dining area and she already got her food and she's sitting with a friend with another family that we don't even know. She's just sitting with a friend with another family. We ended up just joining them and just talking. And that's how she rolls, my seven-year-old. My 10-year-old did a little bit of the same, but he was a little more wanting to explore with with me and tell me the things that he found. And we kind of went together a little bit more. Uh, but my seven-year-old was just was just off to the races. And and it felt pretty safe. That sounds like my seven-year-old who walked through someone's open door uh, <laughs> yesterday during Halloween or opened the door and like <laughs> let himself into their house. <laughs> Just take some candy for he's himself. Like, he's like, trick or treat, where are you all at? Um, so yeah, kids. Um, let's, uh, this is a good segue. Let's talk about the food. You know, I know that it comes in like very different colors and uh, food. The food is one thing that I have not looked at a single. Actually, I haven't looked at many pictures of the Star Cruiser in general. But my understanding is that you can essentially recognize what all the food is, but it's just different colors and maybe sometimes different shapes from what you're used to. How'd your kids do with the food? Were they excited to try food from outer space, quote unquote? Or they were definitely down for it. Um, which was surprised me. It, it, I, you know, they're a little, they're like typical kids, you know, they like pizza and cheese pizza at that and burgers and, you know, normal kid stuff. But I, I made sure to prep them saying, okay, we're going to have really special food here and it's from different worlds. And, and so I try to get them to have an open mind and they actually loved it. They tried really weird, crazy stuff. 
And I mean, it looks, by the way, it, it looks kind of crazy, but it's not uh, anything too exotic what it's made out of. But it looks very strange. But to me, it looked really cool. And surprisingly, my, my son loved the blue shrimp, which is, you know, you were very popular on the Star Cruiser. Um, he just, he thought it was the best thing. And he thinks, to this day, he thinks it's the meal that was the best, um, which surprised me. He drank way too much blue milk, which is all you can drink. I think his urine was turning blue at the end, um, but he loved that. It's, just, just, and... it's not good. I mean, I don't, I don't like it personally. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think the green is worse, but I, I think the blue is okay. And my daughter did try everything. And so um, I actually took pictures of all the food because I thought that was one of my favorite things was the food. It was interesting and it looked really cool and it tasted actually really good. And they, they bring you a lot. So you're not going to go hungry. And the dinner on day one and day two are definitely different with a lot of interesting names and backstories. And the, the chef talks to you on the second night about uh, where the food comes from, its backstory, how they got it. Uh, obviously, this is pretend play, but um, it's interesting. And so it keeps you engaged. And I think my, my kids ate it up, you know, literally and figuratively. Uh, so I got to ask, since it's my favorite food in the entire world, is there space pizza? And is it a different color? Or what are we talking about here? Well, unfortunately, a space pizza is only on the kids' menu. So it was Boom. not that spectacular. It's just kind of regular pizza. And that's to, only because it's not part of the main meal. So it's just made special for kids. So not that exciting. Kids and 41-year-old adults who really love pizza <laughs> and uh, order off the kids' menu. Right. As, uh, yeah, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I, um, I would be ashamed. I, I, I'll eat the blue strip. It's fine. Um, my last question is, you know, I find on Disney Cruise Line at their shows, it can be really loud and, you know, it's tough to talk. You know, and I know that there are story elements happening. So the dinner experience, I, I mean... I don't think you're there totally to like talk to your family too much during it, but like how loud does it get? Like, does it get intense for the kids? Um, you know, I'm trying to speak vaguely here just cause we don't want to get into spoilers yet, but what was your experience with kind of the volume of dinner? Uh, for the first night at dinner, you, about halfway through dinner, Gaia is the singer. And this is, this is part of dinner is live music. So she sings and and does walk around the tables. And so everyone's pretty much watching her. It's just dinner theater. So you're not meant really to to talk during that time, uh, which is just the second half. But the first half, it's not too loud. It, it's a little bit dim, but not too bad. And it's not loud at all. So just the second half, uh, which is when the live music is. For the second dinner, it's the chef that is hosting the Taste Around the Galaxy dinner. So talking about each dish as it comes out. So it's not too hard to to talk while you're eating and hear everything. There are a few story elements that no one's basically eating. They're just watching what's going on. Other than that, it's it's not super loud and um, you could easily have a conversation. Good to know. Let's uh, talk about the room really quickly. Did you find that it was enough space for you and your family? Did the kids like sleeping in the bunks? Oh, my kids love the bunks. And so I'm glad it was two nights because that means each kid had one night on top. Um, and so there was less fighting. The bunks were, were actually pretty comfortable. I tried to, to lay in there. The only thing is it's not really a sheet on top. It's a little sleeping bag. So you can open it all the way if you want to. But um, my kids love that. That has a 
a queen bed, which is very comfortable. The linens are nice and it has a nice bedspread with the, the logo on it. Um, there's also a simulated porthole where you're looking out at space and it changes based on what's going on with the star cruiser. So it's pretty cool. Like sometimes the star cruiser cruiser goes into hyperspace and you could see, you know, stars flash by or there's little ships that go by and, and planets. And then when you're ready to sleep, you could push a button and it'll close and it'll be dark. Um, there's also a flat screen TV that has just like a welcome sign on it says your you know your family's name and it shows a little a map of where you're you're going to we never really used it as a regular tv so, so i can't speak to that but it it is pretty cool to to watch that and then next to that is a simulated droid that you can interact with so you can tap your magic band and ask it questions or it could interact with you read you a book or something like that so my kids like doing that and then there's also a small pull-out bed for like a fifth person, which we didn't use. But interesting, we had so we had just a standard cabin. But next door to us, we um, met the family next to us because our kids were playing together. And so the family let us or let me into their room to check it out because they had a suite. So I got to look at the suite, and it's it's basically two rooms. One is um, a queen bed, and the other room is a sitting area, and also has that pull-out bed. They liked it because of the space, but that one does not have a bunk bed. And so they're a little bit bummed about that. So just beware if you are planning to, to book this, only the, the standard rooms have the bunk beds, not the suites. Good to know. Before we finally get to the story and some mild spoilers, uh, in terms of merch, I know that there's a store that's open all the time and there's a different store that like is kind of post story, like kind of real world store, like where it actually will say Galactic Star Cruiser on it. The store on the ship is in world. So like nothing on there would say Disney World or Galactic Star Cruiser. Did you guys buy any merch and how did you you know decide what the kids could or could not buy? <laughs> Yeah, it's very tempting because this, the store uh, is right off the atrium. You can't miss it. And pretty much 90% of the stuff in there, you can only buy in that store. So that's how they get you. You feel like obliged to buy something because it's unique and you can't get it ever again unless you're on a Star Cruiser. So we did spend <laughs> some time in there, but my kids are pretty good. Uh, they didn't really ask for anything. They were so busy running around and exploring with their friends and doing different things that they really did not care, didn't bother me much. But um, I couldn't help myself but to at least get some souvenirs. And a mild spoiler is there are some souvenir secret pins that you can get. So I did get those and um, they're really cool. Um, the store that's outside only opens when you leave. So on the third, on the last day, it's a little pop-up store in the valet area, and it sells a few things that you can buy online. But a lot of the stuff that's online, you can't. You, there's a lot of the the sizes are sold out, or you they don't have good su supply. So this store had pretty much everything. It had great a lot of different sizes. It had um, a lot of good variety. So we did pick up a few water bottles and a, a few T-shirts out there on the way out. Nice. All right. Anything else you think we can talk about before we get into some mild spoilers for the story and that experience for your kids? Um, no, let's, let's go for it. All right. So mild spoiler warning here. Uh, we will not talk about specifics about the story, but if you don't want to know like anything, um, this is the place for you to tune out. And I've warned Nick, you know, he knows what I know about what's going on, but I told him to still be vague just in case um, he spoils me as well. 
first thing to talk about is there are different paths that you can take since this is a choose your own adventure. And obviously, I don't think it's going to shock anyone that there are good paths and there are bad paths and they're kind of like in the middle paths. I'm very curious, like, how did your kids go about choosing their paths? Like, did they just go with what their friends were doing? And I don't know, I can also imagine that like a gaggle of kids just ends up doing like as many of the paths as they want. Like I, I think of myself like playing uh Knights of the Old Republic when I was a teenager. Like I would just do like every single path until it forces me to commit to something. So what was that experience like for your kids? That definitely happened for my seven year old. She was doing whatever her friends were doing. So there's basically about six or seven of them that would run around together and one the older one was probably leading the way because they did have a, a data pad. And so the rest would kind of follow and talk to any characters that they ran across. And it's it's funny, you could see them talk to one of the, the characters. And then once they were done with them, they would say, okay, go find this other character. And that's how he would get the kids to run away. And so it's funny to see all this happen. And the, the cast members are great. They they um, really play into this. And, and it's funny when I saw my daughter talking to the, the First Order lieutenant, he can get away with this because he's First Order. He would kind of get in her personal space and be a little firm and he would tease at her a little bit you know in a jokingly way and the kids will all laugh and and the kid the adults got a got a chuckle out of it because he can get away with telling them being harsh and kind of teasing them a little bit and then eventually he would tell them to go find the stormtroopers and tell them something and they would all run off and so this would this would go on all day so it's great to see my 10 year old he was more about the data pad and and the more you do the more you figure out then you get you know little badges and get some points or or tokens per se and so he was kind of about that and so he was pretty engaged as far as doing his missions and it led him down the resistance path and he would tell me what he was doing and then sometimes he would say you know what i can't tell you it's a secret i got to be here at this certain time and so i'll be like oh okay yeah you go go check it out. My path was leading me towards a first, or, first order. I was trying to do kind of both and stay in the middle because you could either go resistance or first order or kind of play both sides as like a smuggler or a scoundrel. So I try to be the scoundrel. San Holo, so like, obviously. <laughs> yes, definitely. And uh, try and see as much or, or interact with as, as many people as I could. And if they asked me what I was doing there, I could always say, well, I'm just spying. So, you know, it's okay if I'm here and, and it's fine because you could pretty much make up whatever you want and they will play into it. Everyone's pretty, the characters are really good at improvising, but they also want to keep everyone engaged and no one left out. So they're not going to necessarily kick you out. The only time you can't go into something is if you're not on the list. So there are certain things that, or missions that lead you to other things and, um, Sometimes you it'll you have to be on a list to get in there. So there are only a few things where you can't necessarily join because you're not on that path. But for the most part, you're free to answer how you want on your data pad, interact with who you can, and they must have some IT that kind of recognizes how long you're with a certain character because on your data pad it'll it'll kind of tell you who you're kind of aligning with, and that's how they it starts to do some algorithm to figure out are you leaning towards resistance or first order? And then it kind of unlocks more missions based on that. It's the same Bluetooth COVID exposure tech, I'm sure. 
Yeah, it's gotta, exactly. it's gotta be something like that. It's just crazy to me, whatever tech they must be using on the back end, because, you know, not to nerd out too much about the mechanics of the game or whatever, but the actors must be communicating to each other somehow offline because, you know, if the Lieutenant Croy is sending kids to the stormtroopers, he must be like at least somehow giving the stormtroopers a heads up about what's going on. Like people got, well, I don't know, like they have earbuds. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how they yes. figure it out. Alice Harris is going to tell you that. Yeah, they, they do have earbuds in. And then who knows who's watching this game. It's like, it's like some, it, could be, it could be some uh, creepy Netflix series or something like that. Space, with all these space, space Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but no, it, it's Hal, pretty interesting. It's Hal, exactly. <laughs> but it's pretty interesting how this all works. I mean, I'm sure, you know, whatever you're answering, these are, these are basically choose your own. It's just multiple choice. So it's not like, you're actually interacting with someone live on the data pad. But you just need to be in proximity to certain characters. And then it somehow knows how many minutes or whatever they measure who you're next to. Because I don't think it knows if you're actually talking to them. So like if, if you're a person that is not super extroverted and you don't want to necessarily talk to everybody, you don't have to. You just need to kind of show up. And then if you see like a bunch of people kind of going off to do something, you could just walk with them and kind of listen in and see what's going on. And you will actually get those, I guess, quote points for for interacting with that character. And then that will lead you down kind of that path. So all you need to do is at least be a wallflower or or follow some groups around, and then you will start to get some missions. It doesn't mean you have to be the one talking to the character if you don't want to it's just being there being involved and so i think that's why this might appeal to a lot of people is if you're the person that loves to get in there wants to talk to everyone you can but if you're not you could still interact and be involved and your path will still advance so did your kids ultimately end up on separate paths or do they both end up kind of resistance in the end they both ended up resistance in the end my my daughter was a free agent per se, because she was going along with what the other kids were doing, but they all kind of ended up resistance. And my son definitely ended up resistance and that's what he set out to do. And I was first order. So we had different missions uh, on the second day. I actually don't know a whole lot what he did and he won't even tell me because he's kind of protecting that because he thinks I'm first order. So it's kind of funny how you can do that and kind of play off each other. So we had fun with that. And my wife ended up being more resistance as well. And so then, you know, I know there's a final kind of climactic story scene that happens in the atrium at the very end. Did the kids feel like that was a satisfying conclusion to the stories that they had made for themselves? Uh, Yes. I think they set it up where everyone should hopefully feel that way. Because however your paths diverge or converge or however you get there, the last part of the second day is when everything culminates together and all the characters there are there and most everyone is there uh, to see what happens at the end. And so I think they do a good job of trying to get everyone together to do a conclusion so you feel like your story and your path is complete and you, you know what happens at the end and so you can leave kind of satisfied the next morning. And technical question for kids it's like the fireworks question. Is it set up in a way that like even short kids should be able to see, you know, I'm assuming that we're trying to avoid shoulder kids with 
such a small group in such a small space. What are the sight lines like for the little ones? You know, my seven-year-old is pretty short. You know, we're pretty low on the percentiles chart. So <laughs> these are things that I think about. Hey, I, I feel you. My seven-year-old is probably 12th percentile. So she is on the short hey, side. Hey, they're the exact same growth curve. Nice. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, they should have gone together. That would have been fun. But there are a bunch of benches in the atrium, and they the kids just stood on those. And that was perfectly fine. Her standing on there was the same. She's basically the same height as me. And a lot of it happened, like everything's happening like on the second, like on balconies on the second floor, right? Mostly um, in that most, final scene. Actually, it's it's the final scene is there's characters on level with you, like basically right next to you. They actually told me I needed to, to stay where I was and not move because people are running around me. So, so everything's happening right there, right next to you on the main floor. And then uh, some happens on the second level on the balcony. And everyone can see that for sure. The people that are on the main floor, though, they actually put them on a tiny little step stool. So they're even a little bit elevated. So people can see even easier. I don't think we had a big problem. And they're right in the middle, too. Yeah, I mean, those benches seem great because it's not like anyone, unless they have mobility issues, is going to really need to sit down on those so uh that works for kids oh uh, one think, uh, one word of caution though those benches oh man i've hit my shins <laughs> many times on those benches so because <laughs> you're like watching something or looking at the balcony and you walk right into those so just a word of warning just uh watch out when you're walking around the atrium watch your knees watch your knees <laughs> yeah. so that all sounds great the last thing i want to know before we kind of wrap things up and talk about uh potential future cruises is i guess how tough was withdrawal or uh, departure for your kids? Uh, you know, were they like super invest? You know, I've I've seen. I mean, Brooks' kids. Uh, you know, they were crying like when it was <laughs> over, just because like they were so invested in everything. Um, you know, so what was that like for your kids? And I guess this is a good place to also insert like were they completely overtired by the entire experience? <laughs> um, I think a lot of the adults were overtired too. That's one thing we worked in on the second day after Batu is uh we we came back and i took a shower and that really helped especially in the august heat but i let everyone just kind of chill out in the room for a little bit before we went out because it is kind of a late night so i think most of the time the most of the adults retired my kids did pretty well they weren't they, they had no problem leaving i i kind of told them you know it's time to get going and there were some other kids that were leaving at the same time so they got to go out together one tip is it's try and stay on as long as you can because then you kind of had the ship to yourself and we were able to take a lot of pictures on the bridge before we left. So that was pretty good. And then what also helps is unfortunately getting them a little gift in the gift shop on the way out. Um, so my kid might have gotten a water bottle on the way out, but uh, they had no problem leaving. They were not not any tears, but we did get to talk about it the whole next day. And um, we actually went to a uh, the Disney um, Typhoon Lagoon the next day. So um, my daughter and I swam and my son and my wife just kind of chilled out and kind of decompressed. Awesome. Well, I mean, it definitely sounds like you felt like it was worth it. And, you know, just for so people know, in general, for a group of four, it doesn't have to be a family of four. It's it's around $6,000. I mean, it's plus or minus depending on when you are going exactly. But uh, my question for you is like, do you have any plans or would you consider going back or do you feel like Star Cruiser would need another story? Or would you be interested in going like 
adults only without kids? You know, what are your feelings about future missions in general? Well, I think as a family that we wouldn't really be in a big rush to go back right now. I think this was an amazing experience that my kids want to do again. But for my wife and I, I think if there was a different story or if something had changed up, then we would consider that. But I don't think we'd be in a rush to go back right now. If it was for adults, that would that would be a definite experience. I think if it was for adults that were really, really into it, they are good to make enough uh, paths where you could do it a second time and choose a different path, do different things, um, because there's so much to do and different things going on at the same time. You could, I would go again if it was maybe, you know, a group of friends. But for my kids, I think it would be more fun if there's uh, a new storyline. Yeah, I also feel like with kids, it's like they did it this one time and like this is their story, this is their experience. And if you do it again, it's kind of like, you know, which one is their experience. And because it's so story heavy, um, and I also think your kids really, well, I, I don't know about other cruises, but it sounds like they had a really good group of other kids to be with. I, I, I can imagine there are sometimes, you know, groups of kids who just don't interact at all. Like I was listening to DCL podcast and they were talking about edge or vibe, like one of those kids clubs. And like, sometimes the kids just don't talk to each other at all. So <laughs> it sounds like it was like a, it, it worked out perfectly for you all. Yeah, if we didn't go during a school break, you know, like if we were to go say now when there's when kids are in school, completely different experience for them. And especially my seven year old, she just loves interacting with other kids. That was her favorite thing. And and obviously with the other characters. So if there are no other kids, her experience would be greatly diminished. And I don't think she would have had the best time. She would have a good time, but not the best time. But with yeah, with the other kids, she had the best time. And that was, that was great. Yeah. That makes me wonder if like, this is something that if you have three families that want to do this with kids that are like friends already, you know, maybe that would be even like a more fun experience just cause like they, they're, you know, they have pre-existing relationships and stuff like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. If, if your kids are going with other ones or in, and they're into uh, a little bit of dressing up, um, and you, that would be the best. I mean, you could even, it might even make sense to spring for a suite then if you're all splitting it um, i can't remember the maximum size or but it's eight that might yeah. make sense oh, okay yeah, then, two, yeah two families of four yeah it, it could work and actually for that uh captain suite grand captain suite i think mm -hmm. is what it's called it only comes out to like a couple thousand to, not only this is a, a lot of money we're talking <laughs> right. about here but it only comes out to like two or three thousand more you know and then you're splitting it amongst eight so it's it's mm -hmm. not the it's not the worst thing and they have like uh tables inside the room that you can use and stuff like that so yeah and i think those grand captain suites have bunks as well so uh oh that's good you know, yeah that's some of that's the other great suites. for kids <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And, and and a lot of the missions require you to kind of solve little puzzles and things like that, kind of like a like an escape room, but not that hard. And so having the kids do it together, I think that would be great. I mean, if I wish my two kids got along well, um, but they they don't, so they did not. You mean with each together. other? <laughs> right? Yeah. Love, exactly. Love, lovely, lovely. Yes. Right. I, but I if you it. had, yeah. But if if you had your your kid with a cousin or someone. And they actually saw things together. I think that would that would be great. Um, and they would they would really like that. It's much more fun doing it with another kid than say your dad or something. 
and there's a lot to do on that too, too. A lot of puzzles and and things to to hack and figure out. And so that's another thing that they can do uh, together as well. Yeah. And then in terms of the adults only trip, just uh, I'm sure people may be curious about my, you know, I've talked a few times about trying to put a crew together. Well, Nick, I will tell you that I have friends who we've been talking about, well, we were supposed to like go to Las Vegas in like 2020 um, mm -hmm. and we go every couple of years, but it's, you know, it's going to be at least three years now that uh, we haven't gone to Vegas. And I was talking to them and I was like, you know, it's been so long that I think our tolerance for how much we're willing to lose at the tables, you know, that could be approaching $1,500. And if we're going <laughs> to, and if we're going to, if we're willing to lose $1,500 at the table, you know, we've been to Vegas quite a few times together. Why don't we try something new guys? So this is my, this is my current uh, angle um, you know, on, um, and I definitely <laughs> am ashamed to say, or not ashamed to say, but like, I've definitely lost close to $1,500 in Vegas before, not in two nights, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it happens. So, you know, um, just, well, you guys can do that. You can guys can do the, the sub subak tournament and put some real money on there and <laughs> wait, can you? No, I, I think that's frowned upon. But you could, <laughs> you, gotta, you, you could buy, you, you could buy a set and do it in your room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone will gamble for their um their fare on the cruise, and one person will get to go for free. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's my current machinations trying to get my friends to go. Although my friend I texted about uh, has completely ghosted me on the text, so maybe <laughs> oh, maybe my uh, grand plan isn't uh, coming together. Um, well. well Get right. Leslie there. Maybe maybe she'll go go with you. Well, I was I was I was saying to her that um, you know we can if we both bring our families, then maybe we have the you know built in kids can hang out together thing, so we can see how that goes. Um, but yeah, we'll and see. and you know it's it's actually more fun um, probably for the adults because when the kids hang out together and go around on their own, then you don't have you're not tied to their storyline because you're kind of forced to do what they're doing. But if they are on their own, you could choose your own path and do your, your own missions and kind of feel free about doing that. And so that's that's I think that's a benefit. And that's that's what I was able to do. And that was great because that's the only way I was able to defect and go to the first order and, and try that route. Betray your son. <laughs> well, you. I actually I know, but it's great because he doesn't let me live it down. And it's it's really fun. And they still talk about it. And we did we did the droid building as well. And they still play with that at home, too. So um, I think that the either the droids or the um, lightsabers is the is the ultimate souvenir. You know, it, it just brings back all the memories. And, and I think that's that's really, really what I want for them. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for sharing your experience with us and your kids' experience with us. Do you have – I forgot to put it on the agenda, but I know you listen to the podcast enough. Do you have a yes. Disney do or don't for us? I knew you'd be ready. I definitely have one. Uh, I have a few. Uh, so the definitely the, – the Disney do is you are on your data pad this whole trip. This is what's kind of driving your story. And so you're really tied to that. And then at the end of the cruise – it just goes dark, you know. So it's so strange because you're you're leading up to the to the Star Cruiser. Sixty days, it it comes alive, and you need to have a reservation number to activate it. So it comes alive at about sixty days, and the excitement builds, and then you're finally there, and you're interacting with it nonstop for two days, and then you leave, and then it kicks you out, and you're done. 
and then you can't even open it or look at it. So my Disney do is that last day, my, um, my son had his data pad and I took a video of him scrolling through his data pad and he was showing me, you know, all the things he unlocked and all the, how much money he got and what he was doing and, and his look, cause you could change your, your outfits and things like that. And, and so I'm glad I did that as a do because now he, he still sometimes wants to look at it and, and remember what he did. And then for, for mine, I had to unfortunately just take screenshots, but, but I'm glad we did that so we can remember what we unlocked and how far we got in our paths. So I would say that's a Disney do. Don't forget to do that. And did you have a Disney don't as well? My Disney don't is I would say once you're, once you're committed to the, to the cruise and you are booked, then don't focus on the cost anymore. And I know you mentioned this on your podcast before, it's a sunk cost. And so once you are committed and you're there, then don't focus on that. Just focus on having a great experience. Just you're there to to enjoy yourself and, and interact and experience what you can as much as you as much as you want to. But if you're focused on trying to get the most value for your for your dollar or or try and do as much as you can because you paid this this cost, I think it'll diminish your experience. You want to just go in there with an open mind and and do what makes you happy as much as you can, as much as you feel comfortable with, and, and don't focus on that sunk cost anymore. And I think uh, you'll have a better time. Great advice. Well, Nick, thanks again so much for sharing your experience. I uh, really loved hearing this. Definitely going to lighten my wallet. So I guess no thanks for that nick but uh well hey, hey if you have that extra slot open um uh, you, i'm always available to fill in just just <laughs> right. throwing that out there <laughs> i hear that i hear that um and um yeah so thank you everyone for listening and other than that thanks nick for taking the time to talk to me and leslie if you are listening i will see you on the galactic star cruiser question mark thank you Cheryl.